will fix you. Hello, and welcome to We Will Fix You. Broadcasting today live from the sunken church of the Loop Guru, where the Brotherhood's bake sale is in its third consecutive week and seems unstoppable. Where are they even getting all of that for Catchier? That, of course, is a question. And if you have questions, bread-related, lycanthropic or otherwise, you can ask us at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com. Joining me this evening, Mr. Dave Convery, our resident gristle enthusiast. It's Chewy! I, Roger Hart, am currently closed for recalibration. And this isn't Lucy Boys, who is here to tell you the truth about bananas in pyjamas. Comfortable, casual, but ultimately mushy. Very similitudinous. Our question today is about employment. It begins rather sadly. I have been bullied at two different jobs. At the second one, I sued for harassment, used some months of sick leave, and got a settlement. My last job was a hellish corporate tech support role where the concept of respect was foreign. I'm running close to the end of my savings and can't make myself job hunt. I'm in the US, female and white-haired, but really competent. Hmm, Mr. Convery. So I, I've certainly never been in quite this position, but I've been in similar. I, um, when I left my first proper actual grown-up job, I moved to a company that was, was essentially trying to set up a, uh, an e-retailer at the point where it was very obvious that Amazon had this shit s sewn up and if you weren't specialized in some way, you were bound to fail. It rapidly became very obvious that the sentient ball of cocaine and pubic lice that, that ran our department was under a lot of pressure to get everything up and running quickly and cheaply to the extent that you know they didn't do things like supply our office with computers or uh, anything like that and this, this isn't like uh, modern bring your own device this is just they couldn't be fucked uh, so we we had to just you know bring our own into the office carry desktops down to the office and uh, mm. set them up there that was a lot of fun uh, so we we were sort of lured into this job with with the prospect of building something good and that rapidly became replicate the failing business model of the company that we had just left which is really very depressing uh, we got taken off the project for a week to build an app for the CEO's restaurant uh, and then got chewed out for doing the thing we were asked to do. Uh, also the app was ineffective because who the fuck needs an app for a small local restaurant? Basically after three months of that they fired us all and outsourced our jobs for the remainder of the company's death spiral which was short and inelegant. Um, working in something like that where you sort of you know that everything is wrong, you know how to fix it, but you can't affect any useful change, but you're too junior, or the people there are too full of cocaine to actually listen to anything that you're fucking saying, is depressing. It's browbeating, it, it sort of knocks the energy and life out of you, and after that I found it very, very hard to look 
look for something again because this was you know this was to an extent a, a break and a chance to do something much more than I had been doing and I'm not gonna lie it took me a while to actually find the energy to look for something else um, and the the thing that, that that did help was to sort of figure out what I was good at and what I wanted to be doing and use that as a very big initial filter on the the, the job search but not the only filter, crucially, because I then started looking for companies that had a reputation as not fuckwits. And this is easier now, like Glassdoor certainly didn't exist at the time. There was a lot of it that was just uh, done by hand, but you can now uh, sign up something like Glassdoor and find reviews of companies and see what people thought of working there. And that's actually quite good to do vicariously as well because some people have really shitty jobs. And it's it's obviously not the same as, as being bullied and it's not the same as trying to come back from that. But all the things that you can do when you find sort of points in the job hunting process that you find depressing or uh, difficult, difficult to confront. You have to either avoid them completely or find ways to sort of make them more frictionless. You basically need to sort of treat every single thing that's stopping you looking for jobs as a series of sandpapery surfaces, let's say, um, and use the Vaseline of progress. Ah, this has gone away from me. I thought you were going to say rub your ball on them for relief. Basically, make careful note of the things that things that are stopping you, and be honest with yourself whether you know. It's going to be partially your experiences and it's going to be partially the fact that you fucking don't want a job hunt because it sucks. Uh, and try and figure out the ways that you can just reduce the, the friction on those. There are sane employers out there, there are places where uh, the culture is better and maybe spend some time looking at those, reading about them to work up to applying for things again. It probably won't be fun, but there's get the routine going. It can only help. I think a lot of this is probably to be a kind of rather tawdry armchair psycho something or other. There's a lot of trauma invested in this, right? Like you've had a really, really shitty time and it probably seems quite oppressive and scary going into all that again. And so there are a bunch of things around motivation and fundamentally this depends on whether, on, on sort of how meaty the attached trauma is. For the light trauma situation, I have a kind of a light suggestion, which is, um, well, you know, a lot of pe a lot of things motivate people. We talk about hacking your brain a lot on the show. And um, if this were perfectly normal procrastination, for example, you could try things like sort of Pomodoro techniques and breaking things down, or starting an easy bit to get it lodged in your memory as unfinished. There's this thing, the um, Zynark effect or Zynark, not sure, um, where half-completed tasks kind of feel unfinished and lodge in the mind. I personally think this is why it's impossible to get the bill at a lot of restaurants, especially if the waiting staff are busy, because they're far more likely to complete the in-progress task of bringing people their food than to start the new task of bringing someone their bill that sits after having closed off the in-progress one. But my thoughts on service design are not germane to your employment troubles. This particular situation feels more job-based. It's tough, there's all sorts of stuff invested, and the inherent financial motivator kind of isn't really working. And I think that's, as in, you know, I must do this because I'm running out of money. Clearly that's not kicked in. And I think that's perfectly normal and quite healthy because that motivator isn't a motivator. It's oppressive, it's clawing, it's too big, this squatting, malign, disempowering fear. That's perfectly normal, I'm sure. And you need another motivator, I think. And a lot of folks say it's easier to get a new job when you have a job than when you don't. There's a kind of a mindset thing, despite having less time. Some of that, I think, is having something to compare. Some of that, I think, is having something to run from. Um, 
having a reason you want to leave. And being British, might I suggest shame. Basically, I think the sort of the brain hack I'm going to posit today is pretending that you have a horrifying shame encrusted job. Not a crappy job. You've been there and worse. It's it's not nice. And we don't want to trigger any anxiety. An embarrassing job. Something you have to get out of because you're ashamed to tell people. Now, a quick Google reveals lots of suggestions, but most of them are crappy jobs. Um, seen as embarrassing because they're low paid. Basically, people looking down on service work, and I'm not really about that. Uh, is it a lot of fun? No. Is it badly paid? Yes. Is it shameful? No. Let's get over that as a society. Then I found this diamond of a Reddit thread of all places, um, home of people who've made great life choices. Uh, most of them were classes takes on service jobs, but a couple really stood out, and I'm going to kind of read those out as suggestions for jobs that you could pretend that you have. Uh, my absolute favourite was, um, I was giving people free Durex condoms on the beach while dressed as a sperm cell. I also had to give a speech to everyone I offered a condom to. It was something a bit like, hey, it's me, spermy, if you want to put the pedal to the metal tonight, don't forget to wear your seatbelt, wink wink, and then handing them the condom. I think that's pretty embarrassing. Also kind of a public service. So you could... Septuagenarian DJ Tim Westwood once had a uh, contraception campaign that ended with him saying, wrap it up before you slap it up. Yeah, being Tim Westwood would be a pretty embarrassing job to have. You've seen the Brazilian testicular cancer mascot, haven't you? It's just a man dressed up as a big hairy ball sack. Yeah, pretty yeah, bad, pretty bad, bad. Bad job. And then the creme de la creme, I thought, um, which was, this was just a single line, single line post. I was a doo-woppasaurus at a pizza place. Couldn't speak, only dance and amuse the kids. You also mentioned the tech sector, and it saw an interesting article kind of de-glamorizing tech by pointing out that it's full of crappy jobs, um, like working in a physical Microsoft store where you're the kind of dark, rictus grin shadow of Apple, or the really grimy shit like being a content reviewer for something like Google or Facebook. Um, games company I knew some people at had a department that were basically there to monitor paedophiles for in-game grooming, or monitor in-game grooming in case of, you know what I mean. Point is, you know, I watch child porn all day is certainly a sort of slightly embarrassing conversation starter. I wouldn't suggest going there, I think it's too traumatic. So, for the sake of argument, let's go with the doo-woppasaurus. You are the doo-woppasaurus. That is your job. And what you're going to do is you're going to go onto LinkedIn, set your job to doo-woppasaurus, tell your friends, tell your family, maybe even practice the dance in the mirror and really live up to it. Because what we need to do is create the impression of a job that you've got to get out of because it's so cringingly embarrassing. Not traumatically embarrassing, but like full-body cringe. You're imagining yourself in the doo-woppasaurus suit, doo-wopping about pizza to entertain children, and you've got to get out of this job and kind of try that on as a new motivator. I, I, if, I think else you're probably going to amuse yourself a bit. Now, if all of that doesn't work, and it might well not, because the problem could well be more fundamental, then we probably do need to engage with the trauma of the experience um, and the extent to which you're afraid of going through it all again. And there are, there are things I think, um, well, I mean, counselling is an option, or is there something safe you could do to de-risk it, to de-risk the process, like doing practice interviews with friends, or as Mr. Convery said, finding out a bit more about the cultures of the place you're going to work to make it feel safe. How can you make the environments that you want to go into feel safe to walk into? One thing that I think might potentially be quite comforting, certainly I think in this situation it would help me feel better, it's something I've been meaning to do for years and just keep forgetting to, is joining a union. Um, there are many things that offers. One of them is support if you 
heavens forfend, get into a bad situation like this again. Maybe you're already in one. But the other is that feeling that someone kind of has your back, that you've you've got support. It's not just the collective bargaining power and yada yada socialism. It's it's a a support structure and some backup. And feeling that you have that can de-risk scary things. So there is power in a union. Yeah. So either do what thesaurus or unionize. Are there actually unions for wanky knowledge workers like us? There are very general unions. Okay. Yeah, we could join, in the UK, we could join Unison or Unite, one of the general unions, but I don't know of a specific tech sector, you know, mm. cuddles club for the overprivileged. It's a shame about the doo thesaurus. I actually really like doo I, I, I mean, I don't like children or dressing up, so I just still don't think it's the job for me. No, but no. There's nothing to say it can't be the hobby for you, though. No. Well, maybe, maybe other environments require a Duwopasaurus. Mm. I don't know. Have Bring you to your wanky tech knowledge sector. Have a look on LinkedIn. Mm. I will do. Thank you. Ms. Boyd. So, um, I wanted to come at this question from two different angles. You, you mentioned white hair, so I'm going to presume that there might be an age discrimination thing in play here. There's a bunch of tips for how you can make being an older worker work for you, so... One of the obvious things, when you're applying for jobs, there is no reason why you have to give your date of birth or even dates of graduation. You do not have to put that. I mean, if you've been in the workforce long enough, your job trail is going to go back a good few years. But again, modern resume advice is keep it to the most recent, most relevant jobs and only sort of lightly cover anything that came behind that. You can use that information to your advantage, present yourself as neutral age-wise. The other big tip for older workers who are looking to move jobs is to make the most of your experience and your network. So presumably you've worked with a lot of different people in the past. Hopefully some of them weren't horrible bullies. Get back in touch, find out about what they're doing, see if they have any opportunities. Going to conferences on relevant topics is another, you know, assuming you can afford it, that's another kind of relevant suggestion. Management experience is a huge plus that younger applicants are much less likely to have, so make the most of the fact that you'll be able to get up to speed quickly, that you're an experienced manager who can just handle people issues really well. Um, You might want to consider consultancy, Uh, any of your skills, things that people might want to buy for short periods of time rather than employing you directly, that can be a way, one, to see how a bunch of different companies work without the risk of being permanently employed there, and two, to get yourself some money if you if it's not even what you want to do full term it could be a part-time stopgap um and the other recommendation i saw was um to repurpose your experience for a different industry so the the case study they gave was a radio engineer radio is a declining industry and she's now turned to helping with podcasts and recording for the web so is there a way you can apply skills in industries which may be outdated to newer industries that are emerging now um and speak to relevant recruiters, sell your experience to them, and then get them to start working on your behalf and selling you as a really viable candidate. One thing I did think related to that was mm. that I initially thought that, that sort of setting up as consultancy for the sort of stuff you do might be very high stress. But actually, if, if the problem largely comes from an expectation of, uh, of bullying and sort of threats from above... Putting yourself in the position of power that consultancy mm. provides may actually be be useful, even if it's only part time or a way back into other work. Yeah, you're when, way more in control. When we say consultancy, I think that should probably be considered also to expand out to contracting. Mm-hmm, consultancy can seem a bit swanky, but you know, being doing what you do for hire yeah. for days at a time rather than as a permanent contract, yeah. especially as a way back in. Mm-hmm. 
and it's also it's a it's a very good way to get a permanent job as well. There's yeah. a lot of I know a lot of contractors who just get offered and occasionally repeatedly turn down permanent roles yeah. because they prefer the flexibility. Yes. So um, then the other the other aspect of your question that I want to focus on is how to screen for better culture when you are in the in the hiring process. So. I think number one, remember that interviewing is a two-way street. You are as much trying to find out about them as they are trying to find out about you during the process. I think although the trauma angle is pertinent and you may not want to spend mental time here, it might be worth, if you can handle it, thinking about the things that went wrong in your previous roles. Were there early signs that you missed? Any red flags about respect, behaviours, how people treat one another? Is there anything you, what you... Can you see the seeds of what happened eventually earlier on so that you know what to look out for as a red flag in the future? Um, a very popular tip is if you're interviewing, ask to talk to people who are actually working in the team that you'll be in informally before you accept an offer. There's a lot of stories of, we, I never interviewed on site, I only ever met people who I wouldn't directly be working with. Those, again, are big red flags. You should be seeing the people you'll be working with every day before you take the job. Um, one of the biggest predictors of unhappiness in a job is not paying enough attention to those red flags and important things that stand out during the hiring process. So. Even if you feel desperate or you think you're going to be really happy in the role, don't be tempted to take something. You listen to your gut, listen to those nagging voices. If you have reservations, they're probably there for a good reason. Don't let yourself be swayed by how much you need the job or how great it sounds if those doubts are there. And then there are a ton of really good, smart questions that you can ask during the interview process to find out more about culture and how people work with each other. So, I mean, my, my favourite resource for this is Ask a Manager, which is a wonderful blog run by Alison Green, who, honestly, everything I know about employment, I learned from her, so please do go and read the archives. They're brilliant. Um, but questions like, um, what kinds of people do well at this company or in this role and what kinds of people struggle? Um, if you're worried about excessive working hours, when do you normally arrive and leave during the day? I mean, again, you can sort of gauge for honesty in those answers as well. Um, ask if they can tell you about a time when there was a disagreement or a conflict within the team and how that was resolved. Um, if turnover because the job isn't particularly good is or particularly nice to work in is a concern, ask how long the previous person was in the role for and how many people have been in that role in total over the last five years. And um, another good one to ask of your interviewers is if they could change one thing about the company culture, what would that be? Because that gives you an insight into the areas where it's weak as well as the strong stuff that they're going to be selling you on. And there are, there are a ton of resources on interviewing and all of this stuff. If you a, a quick Google will get you to much more than I've been able to tell you here. What I, what I really like about that advice, um, having done a shit ton of hiring, is that a lot of those questions... Um, are effectively reflecting, like turning a good interview question or a standard interview question at least back on the interviewer mm. and they're going to make you look pretty good. Yes, no, they definitely improve your candidacy as yeah. well. I mean, yeah. I'm super impressed when people ask me that kind of question because I think you know enough and care enough to be asking about what matters to you and I'm, I guess I'm in a fortunate position usually when I'm hiring that it is a pretty good company yeah. and I can reassure you on those grounds and it makes me feel like you're going to be a better fit for us if you care about that too. The conflict resolution one in particular is a question I ask candidates, mm -hmm. like can you tell me about a time you've had to deal with a conflict within your team or, mm -hmm. or often I'll situationalise it a bit more about things that are more relevant to what I'm asking, interviewing for but there are, yeah, those are, yeah. those are questions that a hiring manager ought to be asking you to understand what your behaviour in a team is like and I think it's perfectly reasonable to reflect them back. Totally. Also, if they're doing a lot of hiring at the same time, I guarantee 99% of the questions that they are getting back to them come from whatever is at number one spot on Google for what do I ask 
people in uh, what mm. do I, what do I ask my interviewers because they are identical like every time mm-hmm. every time people come out with the same couple of questions and it's a red flag for an interviewer yes or at least it is for me and I mean don't just don't just take the list I've given you think about the things that really matter to you and build those behavioral give me an example types of questions mm-hmm. around them because again then you don't look like you've just done the generic what do I say to my interviewer to impress them question the it, can you give me an example of that is my secret fucking weapon mm-hmm not very secret now is it shit done fixed it good luck to you yeah I mean it sounds proper crummy Mm. I I don't I've been fortunate enough never to have really been bullied in the workplace I've I've worked with some assholes um, some people that were pretty unpleasant but I've never had that kind of situation you know I'm glad you got the settlement but it sounds like a pretty a pretty crummy situation on a long road so I mean, yeah, all the best. Mm, absolutely. And if you can fight through to getting a settlement, you can definitely fight through to getting another job. Yeah. It may feel intractable right now, but that is absolutely the case. Mm-hmm. Well, as we mop up the final crumbs of this astonishingly spongy werewolf-baked brioche, we bid you farewell. And don't forget, if you have any questions, Write to us at we will fix you show at gmail.com or on the Book of Faces or the Tweeter. Or check out the form on our website. Is that a thing now or is that a feature it. feature? Maybe. Okay, fine, fine. No, no, no. By the time this goes out, hopefully. Okay. We might have a form on our website. Yeah. Or fill in the anonymous form at we will fix Goodbye, tender thing. Thank you.